Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism. Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and we are excited. All of the people on the show today are excited to be here because this is the third and final part of This Therapy, That Therapy, and I've chosen a wonderful theme, a sort of sub-theme, and that is the media, how to help people through the media. Um, coming up, we have Lynette of Autism Productions, we have Sean of Sunrise, and we of course have, okay, okay, it's the great guest giveaway, that'll be Kid Wings. At the very end, there are stories from the road. Winding it all up and making it make sense. Today's sub-theme. Well, let me introduce it via a story. I just went to Paris and came back. I was working with a boy there. And just before I left, I watched Pay It Forward with my grandson and my son. It was a really nice way to kind of close up before leaving and getting on this 11-hour flight, and as I was on the flight, I kept thinking about Pay It Forward and the conversation I'd had at the end of that movie with my grandson. You see, I was explaining to him that Pay It Forward did pay it forward, that ever since that movie, people are constantly doing little things and using the term Pay It Forward. Groups on the web have, have popped up and different little LLCs and things have shown up in the world called Pay It Forward, borrowing from the theme of the movie. So this one movie created an enormous movement around the world that has done nothing but improve things. And when I was a child, that was my goal. I saw Mary Poppins, of all things, and thought, someday I'm going to use the media and put emotions in and I'm going to change the world. So here I am, uh, slowly, a little piece at a time, trying to do just that. And that's why we're here on the radio and the internet. So I would like to pay it forward. Only I'd like to pay improvement forward in the world of autism. And I'd like to talk to people that are trying to do just the same thing. So that's kind of today's theme. How to exploit autism with the media in order to actually make a positive difference. Okay, the best, well, certainly not the best thing about the upcoming guest is her name, but uh, <laughs> but I'm particularly <laughs> fond of it because it's mine. So we share this, don't we, Lynette? We do, Lynette. It sounds funny to say that name out loud. <laughs> Doesn't it? When I, when I grew up, I grew up in Canada, and it was very unusual to have my yeah. name. And so one of the things that I loved was having a unique name. It was always a good conversational starter. My poor children have been blessed with very unique names because of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I come to the States, and it's not as unique. So here we are, Lynette and Lynette. We'll be doing the uh, new spin on autism show today. And welcome, Lynette. You have a very unusual last name. Do. Say it for me. Of course. I am Lynette Scatisse Watilla. And I'll take it from there for a second. Let me take it over. Okay. (laughs) Watilla. Um, She earned her Bachelor of Science degree in occupational therapy from Cleveland State University. She has over 20 years of pediatric experience as a licensed occupational therapist, and she's done something pretty cool. And I have to admit, the reason I found out is because I'm always checking to see what people are saying about me when I have a down minute. So I put Lynette in autism, and up comes somebody else. Lo and behold. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) So I started investigating her a little bit, and it's really interesting what she's put together uh, on a couple of fronts. One is she has, and I'm going to let her tell you about this, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. On the one front, she has a thing called Autism Productions, spelled A-W-E. And those of us with the right attitude here would always spell it A-W-E when we were talking about <laughs> autism. Um, so I, I was immediately attracted to that and to the idea that she wants to bring information out into the world in an easy way because media is a way that we are able to do that. So kudos on that. And then the other thing before I let her talk is that um, she created a, a, a synergistic approach that's very interesting. I'll let her explain that to you. It's called the success approach, which is a term that she coined in 1998. In 1995 is when she established the Integrations Treatment Center that uses this approach. So with all of that, I mean, it's huge. I could go on and on. 
Um, I'm going to say welcome, Lynette. Nice to have you here. Well, thank you, and I appreciate being here, reaching all your listeners who um, sort of, I assume, in listening to you, have that right attitude you just referenced a moment ago. Absolutely, and if they don't, we're going to get them there, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We can help with that. (laughs) Okay, so let's jump right into what you're, let's, let's do this in two parts. Let's start with your treatment center, and what mm-hmm. is it that you think is special and unique about it, and what exactly the success approach is? Okay. Integrations Treatment Center is currently both a day treatment center and an outpatient center, and we also do some research there as well. So we do multiple things there, but it happened to have started as an outpatient center where I thought as an occupational therapist I could help sort of augment what parents were getting in the schools, and so I worked with speech therapists and teachers and physical therapists and a few other disciplines, and we all sort of came together to make this outpatient model happen. Well, that was 16 years ago, and what happened as a result of us being together and learning from each other and training or co-training each other was this understanding that we kind of had a similar goal for the children. We were always fun, uh, focusing on their functional outcome and improving um, their skill, whether it was academic or self-care or sensory processing, what have you. But we went about it a little different way, given our disciplines. And so we started paying attention to that and working with each other and carrying over for each other after we fully understood each of our intended purposes with any one child. And lo and behold, what started happening was our kids started getting better faster. Um, and we weren't the ones saying that. The families and the local districts that we were serving started saying that. And so we started looking closer at what wasn't happening for the child when they weren't with us. And what we found was missing was this transdisciplinary spirit. And so we started questioning why wasn't there a transdisciplinary presence among the team working okay, with okay, each other. So when you say transdisciplinary spirit, mm-hmm. what you mean is everybody having the same ideas at the same time and using their particular expertise to get there, right? I do. That's do that is what I mean. The same not not as much the same ideas, but the same willingness and expertise to bring to the table from their own discipline um, and bring it in a way that they're willing and intending to share it. So by being very forthright with what each of us know in our own convictions as speech therapists or psychologists or OTs or whomever, we um, can complement in each other those same theories or methods that a different discipline uses but probably has a different name for. But be very, very careful not to offer anything that's in conflict. And therein lies what we call a synclectic model. When the methods and the theories are complementary and only complementary to each other, we can say that we're engaging in a synclectic practice or a synclectic model. And that is what I feel is best practice for children with autism. And that's what you call the success approach. That's right. We actually came up with a name to coin our our model because uh, we felt that there's so many different uh, names and methods and it's kind of like uh, um, Pandora's box when you say, well, what do you do for your child? And yes. five minutes later, <laughs> the parents still talking about these different methods and everyone has sort of like these hot and sexy names for what they do. And so in order for us to... Um, be able to be efficient, we actually we actually had to come up with a name. So we coined ourselves the success approach, which is actually an acronym, and, this, and success itself is a sentence. Um, and so that is something that we teach about and we tell people about, um, but it also serves as the word success itself, even without knowing the acronym, um, which just implies that the child's going to thrive and thrive well. And that's what it's all about. Okay, so Lynette, let's be perfectly honest. When I, you know, when I go into the schools or when I go to almost any program, Mm -hmm. I hear that they're doing things all in the same way and that they're working in partnership. You always hear things like, you know, uh, we couldn't do it without you, meaning the parents, or uh, we work as a team. We have our annual meeting to find out what everybody is going to do, and we all get on the same page. So. Let's let's address that a little bit because I think the naive 
hear this and and think that it's so? Well, I think that the the intention of going into districts and, and to IEP team meetings and such, or, or even a rehab team, for instance, not just the schools, the intention is to be collaborative and is to support the child as a sort of a webbing of support where the child is in the center and everyone's holding up their end so the child sustains. The problem is that not everybody, A, is an autism specialist within the team, and B, takes the time to do two things that we talk about at Autism Productions, and that is cross-train and role release. So it's not enough, Lynette, and I want your listeners to understand, it's not enough that there is an OT and a speech path and a PT and whomever else on this child's team, unless everyone, starting with the family, knows and understands the theories and methods that each of those disciplines, who as professionals, they specialize in autism anyway, have in common with each other and everyone starts to do those, it's not going to work. Everyone has to understand the theories and methods, be trained by that professional, and then a magical thing happens role releasing happens so that while the mommy's with the child but knows what the physical therapist is going for, can uphold what that physical therapist says to do and why to do it and when. And so the moms and the dads and aunties, uncles, anybody who will listen becomes an active extension of the professional team and vice versa. So if a mommy tells me that it's very important for this child to be able to develop uh, a thank you skills so that when they go to grandma's house for the holiday, the child has that skill ready to go. So grandma, who's, let's say, old school, for lack of a better term, expects that of the child, this child is able to do that. Well, I'm an OT. Technically, why am I working on language, right? But that mommy has told me that's important to her. And so I will uphold that, but I'll first tap into our speech therapist to learn how best to facilitate those words, thank you, coming out of the child's mouth in a way the child really means it and says it with conviction and with a deep semantic knowledge of what those words mean, you know, versus echolalia, for instance. Right. So it is a, it's a sharing of not just the ideals for the child um, or the goal, but the methods and the theories that support the child in achieving those goals. And that's what makes it unique. Okay, so how many different types of therapies are in your transdisciplinary therapy approach? And give us a sort of a a picture, so it's two things, that, and then give us a picture of how that looks, like, you know, tell a story. Well, on the Autism Productions website, you will see four particular disciplines listed. And those four disciplines are occupational therapy, speech-language pathology, special education, and psychology. So that's who's on the team. In terms of an example, let's say that the child is preverbal, and this particular speech therapist on the team says that before little Bobby will really be able to use language properly, he needs to understand that his mouth makes particular sounds. And so I happen to know as the OT that one thing that will turn this child's voice on is manipulating their balance system that we would call the vestibular system in OT. So I may use an an apparatus or a piece of equipment like my suspension swing to have this child get that vestibular system, that balance system challenged and excited and aroused and wake the child's mind and body up so that with it comes a, a, a voice that's awakened. And then because the speech therapist would have told me that the best sound to work on with Bobby being pre-verbal is the plosive sound of buh or puh, I may choose to wake up his body with the swing by, let's say, moving him three or four times, getting him excited and involved and maybe invested in that movement, making sure he likes it and he's posturally responding well to it, and then withhold the swinging on purpose using what we would call antecedent manipulation so that the child has the opportunity to make a sound. Now, I'm shaping this sound push or uh, play or if we're working on a G sound, the word G for go every time I move this child. But I only get the opportunity to be the speech therapist, so to speak, and put on my speech therapist hat when I stop the swing and I elicit that from the child. So I'm helping that plosive, that p, p, p 
to come out because I've strategically modeled it and then I've withheld the vestibular piece of it to evoke it. Oh, I really very love this. simple. Yeah, I really love this because so often um, people take their, you know, like speeches done at the table doing this particular thing. Everything is separated into bits and pieces, mm-hmm. and then we wonder why the kids don't generalize. And here we've uh, bottled the whole time. No, 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 yeah. you only do this over here and this over here and this little That's box. Right. It's quite That's funny, right. Lynette. I always say that children with autism will learn anything we teach them. So if we're teaching what I call segmental life experience, like you're just referring to, Lynette, then shame on us. We're enforcing yeah. them, given their learning style, to hang on to that as the way of life. Well, yeah, it's not. I, I always say to the parents, um, you're modeling autism. Let's go and talk to the, you know, let's go and talk to the teachers because they're modeling it too. You know, right. It's really funny. It's really funny. Or, right. or we go, oh, they don't like eye contact. Let's not look. Mm. <laughs> okay, so we don't have much time left, and I want to hit on one little thing that I thought was very interesting, is that you have somehow managed to get John Landau involved in your autism productions, because I saw him on the DVD that I'm going to offer to people. Yes, so yes. sent out to me. So um, how did that happen, and lucky you. Well, John Landau is a very special man who has very adamantly agreed to come and get to know autism through our eyes. He, of course, in our mind, and I think the world's mind, um, is a master storyteller. And so we've been able to access him through a group that he serves that allows him to go around the country lecturing. And uh, when he heard our story and our our mission, which is to sort of exploit the travesty of autism, he, being more of a social activist, really, even than any other uh, listing that might be under his on his resume, I think in his heart said, yes, I need to pay attention to this. Because, first of all, the incidence is skyrocketing. And secondly, there's no known cause and there's no known cure for autism. So I think by having him come and see and learn autism through our eyes, Lynette, he, in whatever masterful way that's going to be um, potentially portrayed through his uh, storytelling efforts, may be able to reach the crowd who's then going to hear him for an hour lecture with me and hear from somebody very neutral, somebody very much from a different walk of life, give his perspective. And maybe he'll just hold a torch for our kids like we always do. That's what we're hoping for. Well, that's awesome. Lucky you. Talk about using the media to put the information forward into the world. That's pretty awesome. Thanks. I agree. Uh, yeah, no, it makes, it's important. We need to, we're all so busy, you know, talking awareness, which is more like let's lament the problem. Uh, mm. We need to put out some answers and some That's ideas. Right. I want to say thank you for being here and give you an opportunity now to say your website, anything sure. you want to drive people to. Um, I want you also to explain the DVD that I do have one that I'm going to give away so you can okay. cover that. And one last word of wisdom. Okay. Uh, well, Go for it, Lynette. Yeah. And if it's really good, I'm going to pretend it was me because we have the same name. <laughs> okay. Thanks for the heads up on that. <laughs> um, the website is Autism Productions, again, spelled A-W-E, tismproductions.com. And on it, you will find lots of information about the success approach, including a summary of our presentation at the Autism Society of America last July and in their national conference down in Florida where we were asked to present. But you'll also find a very interesting um, piece of uh, media that is going to help families to bring the success approach and its principles into their very home, and that is our DVD. And the DVD um, is entitled, It Doesn't Need to Be This Hard for Anyone. And that is because we find in our 16 years plus of existence that people are really, A, making matters worse and working extra hard to resolve what then they've made worse. And that does not serve anyone well. So I guess if I had to leave with some uh, important notion, it is to first and foremost trust that with the right supports, your child can and will make gains. It's all about that, quote, unquote, right support. And the success approach stemming from four different disciplines and the seven theories that go along with all four, 
are very much a step in the right direction to get your brain and your hands around your child's care like never before and work on the neurology of autism because awesome. that's what's driving the kids. Absolutely. Okay, hon, I got I got to go to the great guest giveaway soon and I have one more guest before I do that. So I'm going to okay. have to say goodbye to you, but thank you so much for being here. And that was Lynette of the Success Approach. So if you google Lynette and autism, you'll get me and her. You are listening to a new spin on autism. Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and this is the third part of third and final part of this therapy, that therapy series. I'm very excited to uh, continue on with our next guest, but before I do, I want to remind you, we always have, always have and always will have special giveaways, and we have them via our great guest giveaway. It's the okay, okay, the great guest giveaway will be coming up after Sean from Sunrise, and of course, at the very end of the show, hang in there because the very best part is... Stories from the road. Okay, before we move on, I just want to tell you how to get Lynette's Success DVD. That's the other Lynette, the one I was interviewing, not this Lynette, the one you're listening to. Okay, um, please go ahead and email me at Lynette at LynetteLouise.com. I feel like it's like Lynette Day. Lynette, Lynette, Lynette. So that's Lynette at LynetteLouise.com. And just put Success DVD. The first person I do that will get that free. And I know I promised you someone from Sunrise named Sean Fitzgerald, but he travels internationally, and I believe he had a Skype problem. So he's not going to be able to be here to talk to us about Sunrise. But we're even better off in some ways because we have a mom her name is Mare, and she's kind of done it all. She's done all the different therapies, or at least a, a bunch of them. And, uh, in fact, she's even taught special ed at one point. So at this point, she's just a mom. And I love saying just a mom because it's the biggest understatement in the world. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to her. So, Mare, hello. Thank you for Hi. being here. Thank you, Lynette, for having me. Oh, no problem. I'm really excited. I mean, it, maybe it was serendipitous that Sean couldn't make it because this whole three weeks has been, or last three episodes has been called This Therapy, That Therapy. And it's actually kind of better to close on someone who's been on both sides and, and tried a bunch of different approaches. So a little bit about your journey. Um, right now, you're, you have how many children? Four. Boy, Aww. our oldest daughter was affected by autism, diagnosed when she was two and a half. Okay, so she was two and a half years old. You found out she was autistic. And what was the first therapy you jumped into? The first therapy I think is the therapy most people jump into is uh, ABA. And we did a, a form of it for a while. Didn't see any results that generalized. There was some, some, some movement, but we weren't, we weren't seeing what we had wanted. Okay, so to be specific, I remember um, now. I've, I, I've people I've known Mara for a long time, and uh, I've watched her daughter change and grow. So it's kind of a fun ending for me too, because we just get to be moms together here for a second. Mm -hmm. But I did see a tape once of her. Was that that original therapy that she? Yeah, was that doing? was the original therapy, right? And she she had you know she gained some words and stuff with that. Yeah, yeah, she she did gain some words, but it was. Um, I think this is what a lot of people find with ABA is that it was very specific to whatever whatever right. context it was in. It was very specific. So if you would say um, cookie, it might be that only an Oreo in the play, you know, in in the therapy room was cookie to her, and it would never really come up in the you know with the rest of the day. Right away from the table and away from the, the room. table. Right. Okay. Okay, so that, so your journey began there. Let's jump from the beginning to where we're at today. Uh, you're getting ready to make a presentation. Your daughter's how old? My daughter's now 11. And um, I, just to, to let you know, that we did, did VBA, we did um, floor time, we, you know, we, we did, I, I, we really had en ended up with, with Sunrise, the Sunrise program for, for a very long period of time, and that was where we saw all the gains that she made. So we were very happy with that. And and so now, you know, she does have 
um, is able to say, you know, what she wants or needs and is, is very social, um, likes people. Uh, so we saw a lot of nice things. Okay, so, yeah. all right, since we jumped to that next, let's go there. How did you find out about Sunrise? So Sunrise, we found out, we, we have a friend whose child actually, they would say, recovered. Uh, they actually used the floor time program, but we we didn't think that it was appropriate. We had, we tried that too, but we weren't feeling like it was hitting what our daughter needed. And the the, the friend said, "Oh oh, because you know you really have to read this book. That's that's what's going to help you. You have to get this certain attitude, and then you can do the programs." I said, "Oh, well, I have to read this book," and I ended up reading. It was the Sunrise book. Got it from the library and read it. And I and I just started. I didn't have a playroom or anything, but I just started implementing. You know, joining my daughter and doing things. And she just, it was like, oh my gosh, she just blossomed. She just knew that I was finally connecting with her. And one day I was just sitting with a friend talking, and all of a sudden, and I had been spending. You know, she didn't speak. Certainly didn't speak spontaneously. And and I had been trying to get her to say my name for you know months. So and all of a sudden I heard, um, I heard, I heard mommy. Mom, and I heard, "Hi, mommy," and I and I said, "Who who else is in the room?" <laughs> I looked at my friend. and was like, "Are you kidding?" And it was my daughter. She she was frustrated. I was talking to my friend because she finally wanted to play with me, uh-huh. and she was gonna talk because she really wanted. She liked how I played, and she she starting was starting to really connect with me and and really bond with me, and that was it. And then I said, so "Hey, you, that's you, it." You, you learned Sunrise just from the book, or did you learn from anybody at the Sunrise Institute? Oh, after that, I said, sign me up. I called them right away, and I we, we went and we did the intensive, and, I well, you do the startup program, and then we the whole family went, my husband and I and my daughter went up for an intensive, and, and we, yeah, we learned it, and I hired people to come out and, and teach me, and I ran a whole full program for four and a half years. We had people coming in and out. We had staff. And, um... She generalized finally, and we were able to teach her how to eat a variety of foods and speak, you know, long sentences and engage with people. She was up to maybe 40 minutes in the playroom playing different games. It was, I mean, it was really an amazing time. And, so. and what, what was the difference for you between floor time and sunrise? Because I know a lot of people see them as very similar. They're actually... Not, I, I don't see them as similar, although I think there's, you know, I, I think really my feeling is that there are some kids that do really well with floor time, but the challenges that my child had, it wasn't as appropriate because a lot of what floor time does is, is they put obstacles in the way, uh, in a playful way. So they do feel like it's being playful, which it is, but they are putting obstacles up in order to kind of get the kid to react. So if you're trying to... Uh, play with the child you might put your hand in front of his truck and then he kind of looks down at your hand and and has to really then react to you because he's going oh and you're saying in the meantime oh there's a bridge now in front of the truck or you know or something or what do we do you know and so but for a child like mine that was intrusive instead of being playful so sunrise it, it, it had a different feel it was really really sensitive to the child's pace and to always putting in their motivations and to going back and forth in and out of their world. It was just a very different feel and, and just always, always stressed the connection between the people and the parent and the child. And, and, you know, it just made all the difference. Very cool. And you met Dr. Greenspan, didn't you? Yes. We, we actually, uh, we, we went to his office and had a, uh, evaluation and he tried to teach us some of the, um, some of, some of the program, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's also like Sunrise, it's a, it's a big learning curve, but it was just such, compared to Sunrise, it was so, such high energy needed on a constant basis to keep it up. You could only do these small, small sessions at a time without, I mean, you see the parents in the videos kind of sweating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some of us could use some of that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, some of us, but, but with Sunrise, you could do these long, you know, eight hour, a day having people coming in and out and and it was just because you're kind of breaking with the child and it's just much more flowing it for us it was just an easier pace we we really never caught on to the floor time model okay and and for people's edification 
um, your daughter is not what they call recovered or any of that. She's just in a more beautiful place with more skills, correct? Right, yes. No, my daughter is not. And and my my personal feeling is that she, you know, she just had more challenges than others. Now, I, I do think that I see a different kid. I think I see a kid with way more understanding. And, I mean, sometimes I'll just look at her and she'll give me a look, and it's just like any other 11-year-old. There's just the connect. I mean, we sat the other, just yesterday. The house finally turned quiet. I was in a really good place. I looked over, and she's really good at feeling my just where the energy is. And she gave me the most natural look, and we looked at each other and smiled, and it was just just like my, it was just, oh, that's my oldest kid knowing that I'm just uh, finally taking a breather. She just really is mature in so many ways. But I credit that to the sunrise, to that, that relationship development and that, what what I was able to do. Well, you, yeah, you, your program was amazing. Yeah. Um, and still is because you're still involved in trying to promote her handling her new environment. She's just moved and, and, you know, you're going to this new environment with all these kids. And I think it's good to close on because I was talking about in the show, I was talking about how we have to use the media sometimes in order to get our knowledge out there in the world. And that's from various levels, like you got, you know, the book that you read, the uh, Temple Grandin out there, Jenny McCarthy. Um, using the media is often the the methodology for um, really trying to kind of shout loud from the mountaintop and even from the small hill. So I would say that uh, you're about to shout from a small hill, and it might be really nice for any parents or professionals out there to kind of have a sense of if you can, in a short little bit, explain what you're going to tell this group that you're going to talk to. Well, I've been, since uh, my daughter was in uh, programs, I like formal programs, schools and camps, I always do some kind of sensitivity training. This is bigger than I've ever done. It's It's a youth group that works with, you know, kids with special needs, and I'm going to be teaching them about autism. And I really am just teaching them kind of, you know, um, specific ways that I think that they can connect with my daughter and with the other kids in the group, kind of just showing them the commonalities that they really do have, that, you know, whatever sensory things these kids are going through, they're really like us, but, you know, uh, uh, you know we might have times where, uh, the room is too bright or things are going on and it's hot. But, but for them, it's like to the nth degree. And to really show them the connections that they do have and then giving them some very concrete ideas about how to connect uh, with an autistic person, you know, giving them, for instance, one role, like coming up with an, if they, they come up with an activity, making sure that they're not overwhelming the autistic person, the child with too many parts, you know, what's their one role in a game, let's say, or or, you know, or how to talk, how to make them feel cool and, and, and hip and, and part of the group. And just, just really. Or like really I, you were saying, yeah, or you were saying like for the girls when they're playing together, maybe with your daughter, they're doing their nails and she's soaking her feet for her pedicure because <laughs> she right. likes to have she likes water, water and that's so yeah. cool, yeah. So, so I think that, so, and I've seen, I mean, when I used to send her, I sent her to camp the past few years, and when I'd send her without doing the training first, the shadows would always come back and say, oh, can you please go do the training? These kids need the training. And and the minute I would go do it, then they'd say, oh, camp is just so different now, because they just really needed to understand. There you go. Oh, I'm going to close you on that. They just needed to understand. That was a beautiful ending. Um, I have to, I, I could talk all night with you, of course, but, um, and we have done at times, but I'm going to have to sign off so that I can close the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for calling in. I really oh, much appreciate thank it. Thank you. So that was just a mom, Mayor, telling you about her, a little bit about her journey and the various therapies she's used and, um, and how she's had to take that out into the world and become a teacher at times. Uh, we didn't really get into her special ed class, which was fantastic, by the way. She's a really good teacher. Um, and I just wanted people to have a sense of, you know, we hear stories. We hear, oh, and then this child did this, and then this child did that. And a lot of the time the mom is, that's hearing this is sitting back going, why won't my child? And imagining a normal, normal, neurotypical result. 
And you could have easily done that from some of what Mayor was saying until we pointed out that that wasn't the case. So don't uh, fill in the blank when you hear stories of skill acquisition and think that neurotypical happened. Uh, you know, it's really hard on yourself. It makes you feel like you're failing when everyone else is succeeding. And in fact, you probably made it up. Do you believe this? Just when I had given up on Sean Fitzgerald, I found each other through Skype. I'm going to quickly get to Sean before we lose him again. Um, Sean, thank you for making this happen. Pleasure to be here, Lynette. Why don't you tell the folks where you're talking to me from? Um, I'm calling in today from a place called Marcus Beach, which is a beautiful little beach town in Queensland in Australia. Sunrise is based in Massachusetts. That's a heck of a commute. <laughs> well, you know, one thing that I find really exciting about the age that we're living in right now is that families, wherever they are in the world, have access to a treatment program that that really resonates for them. So if, for example, a family really is inspired by Sunrise and, and using the Sunrise program with their child, wherever they are in the world, they can go to the Sunrise website and learn a lot about it from there. They can find a teacher like myself who travels and does workshops, seminars, and outreaches in different countries. And when I'm in, for example, Argentina or Brazil, I meet families who are also might be working with someone who specializes in talk tools or speech therapy or a certain biomedical protocol who might be based in New Jersey, for example. Um, and it amazes me that uh, you know, in this day and age, if you're a motivated parent, uh, there's so much that you can learn about great things going on and, you know, in all different places in the world. Do you just teach families? Do you teach large groups? Well, I teach individual families, which is wonderful because it really gives me an opportunity to go into a family's home and work with the family's dynamics and see one child, um, how one child responds to the program and grows and changes over a period of months and years. Um, so I love that, being able to be supportive in that way. And also I learn a lot from that myself. Uh, in addition to that, I run workshops and seminars that you know might have anywhere from 20 people up to four or 500 people. So a kind of broad range. Okay. So before I ask the next question, I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about Sean from my own personal experience. When I first trained at Sunrise, it was as a mom trying to learn about, you know, this particular therapy and how to work with my child. Um, as I've mentioned before, I've trained in lots of different ones in search of what was right for my children. And when, when I went in there to learn about what to do for a dog, the very first night, Sean met my son. He sat beside him and he was kind of talking to me, explaining how it was going to go and talking to Dar a little. And, and I did what moms do. I talked for my son. And I said, well, he doesn't, you know, he's not ready. He doesn't, you know, make friends or something like that. Some ridiculous thing like that. And Sean goes, not yet. <laughs> and he was right. It was very quick uh, bonding. And I've been impressed with you and your work ever since, Sean. So I want to say this is a personal thank you from me to you. I had such a great time with him. He, he's got a, a really beautiful spirit. And he was a boy who even at that time, you know, communication was a real challenge for him. But clearly, you could see that, you know, this was an intelligent boy who had so much inside of him that he, you know, couldn't necessarily share and communicate. And so, you know, this is one of the, the things that I think is incredibly helpful for a parent who's who's embracing the Sunrise program is, is kind of the idea of, of really seeing the best in your child and believing in, in greater possibilities for your child. And, and part of that is going to be, of course, challenging a child and giving a child an opportunity to really grow and develop and stretch themselves in ways that aren't easy for them. And so, you know, there's two parts to the program. And the part that people maybe who don't know very much about the Sunrise program tend to emphasize is the bonding through acceptance part and really meeting a child on their level and going into their world. But there's another part that is, you know, the as, as important, which is the inspiring growth. And so what we do in the Sunrise program is identify key social goals. So we're really emphasizing things like communication and socially interactive communication, really emphasizing things like flexibility and participation and following along and, and doing something that we might kind of instruct a child to do within an activity. 
We want to build up a child's attention span as we're challenging them, though. So we emphasize kind of being playful and, and fun and tapping into a child's motivations while we do that. So once we've taught a parent how to really tap into their child's motivations and extend that interactive attention, then we're really looking to zero in on what are the key social goals for your child? Because if a parent can identify those and can be working on those and challenging a child day in and day out, that child's going to get so much more support and so much more help than they might get from even a great speech therapy session, which might last for an hour, or an OT session, which might also last for an hour once or twice a week. You know, the the challenge piece, it's it's vital. It's important for a parent to know how to challenge their child. It's important for that child to have multiple opportunities to learn and grow. And I think what is really special about the Sunrise program and how we challenge a child is we do it playfully. You know, so you talked about your boys and how they enjoyed being with me. And I love being with the two of them. And the reason is, is, you know, as we're challenging them, we're also doing it in a way where we're, in, we're kind of prioritizing the having fun and being playful together. Glad you were able to address it because I've, I've really had it come up a lot with people where they're afraid to challenge. They feel like if they're joining someone in, in his world and, and accepting that somehow accepting doesn't allow for challenging. And Yes. Great oh, question. So that, that was beautiful. Great question. Well, good, because you know what? I'm, I'm like so out of time. <laughs> um, I want to ask you. So two things. One. Um, if, is there something you'd like to give away to my people, like maybe a free consult? Uh, how many people are we talking about? <laughs> you only give as many away as you want, like one, two, oh, none. Oh, oh, yeah. I thought you meant you get everybody. The, you get to decide. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love to give away a free consult. Uh, actually, you know what I'll do is I'll give away two 30-minute consultations instead of one hour consultation. That's beautiful. And how would they get that? What's the website or, or email they go to? The website is www.autismintl.com. And the email is help, H-E-L-P, at autismintl.com as well. That's great. And so now if anybody wants help from you, they'll send you an email and they'll put a new spin on autism answers in the subject line. First two people can get that free help. And then is there something really important that you would like to share with people before we say goodbye? I think that... One, that it's really cool that you're doing what you're doing, um, both with your experience as a mom and as a professional. Um, I believe so strongly in empowering parents to have the information about how they can help their child and not just in one way. And so I would encourage uh, any parent who is not completely satisfied with what they're doing and thinking that there's more for their child to, you know, continue to search and find something that, that really resonates and, and then find support and get help. One other thing I'll say with that too is, is sometimes that it looks like there's only one way to get help. And if you're a parent, I know some parents think to themselves, I can't do that, whether it's I can't go to travel to Massachusetts or I can't afford a particular treatment. Um, you know, I, I'd say there's always a way. And Lynette is a great example of that. Because <laughs> you have made things happen for, for your kids and your family that, you know, most outsiders would say not possible. Thank you. I appreciate it. And back at you. So it was wonderful. I so appreciate you taking some time and it was hard for us to connect, but we worked it out and um, have a wonderful day in Australia. Thanks, Lynette. Nice okay. to hear from you. Okay, okay, okay. It's time for the great guest giveaway, and I am so excited. I got to tell you a little premise here before I introduce my guest. I, uh, when I first started doing my show, Crazy to Sane, it's a one-woman show about autism, neurofeedback, and the brain. I followed today's theme, and I thought, let's use the, the media, the world, theater, all these things to try and get information out, try and change stuff from an entertaining perspective and reach people I wouldn't otherwise reach. When I began doing that, I was looking to connect to folks who were doing similar types of things, and I was introduced to a DVD called Kid Wings. It was brand new, just hot off the press at the time, and I watched it, and I thought, yeah, it's kind of good, but then I showed it to my grandkids, and a couple of them, as you know, if you've been following the series, used to be autistic, are now off the spectrum. And um, the one that calls himself just sort of still autistic because he does things that he wouldn't normally do if he wasn't, <laughs> it 
really, really loved this video and gained some good signs from it. So I am going to introduce you to somebody that created it, and it's pretty exciting because she's a speech therapist, which also goes with our theme of the day. So Mary Nell's a speech therapist, as I said, and she's worked with a lot of autism, although she doesn't consider herself an expert in autism. She's an expert in speech, and for some reason, she decided to make this adorable DVD, so I'm going to ask her about that now. What led you to the point where you were making this DVD, Kidwinks? I, um, several years ago, did a reasonable amount of my therapy in the home with birth to three-year-olds. I enjoyed doing it. I thought it was effective. But I also knew that when I wasn't there, parents um, tried to follow my directions, and I appreciated that. But a lot of times, parents use TVs as babysitters, and I understand that. It's not said critically. I don't think it's the best use of a child's time, but I can promise you I did the same thing when my kids were little. So I wanted to try and create something that would still entertain children on the TV, allow parents to use the TV as a babysitter, but allow make, the TV, make their TV experience um, worthwhile in terms of stimulating speech and language. So we developed these DVDs using all of the things that I would do if I were sitting there with a child. Well, here you go. I mean, sometimes you have a child who absolutely falls in love with the video and they want to play it over and over and over and over again. And if you don't play it, uh, perhaps they'll throw the spaghetti on the wall and maybe scratch their baby sister because they are autistic after all. And so if you can have a video they fall in love with that's actually going to help, that would be really cool. Um, Also. Also, I have to say that um, I've worked with several kids where it's signs that help stimulate their ability to mm-hmm. speak. So, yep. yeah, bringing signs because. into their lives is very cool. And bringing it in in a fun way is even cooler. The combination of signing and music and a target vocabulary that's not only repeated but demonstrated. I've watched kids that don't have any problems at all who are four- and five-year-olds actually enjoy watching these videos. And the reason is, for one of the first times in their lives, they sit down and they see something on a screen where they understand absolutely everything that's going on. See there, that's cool. I was sort of watching and thinking, instead of the ventriloquist, you know, Make it get mm-hmm. becoming famous with lamb chops. We have the speech therapist becoming famous right. with kid wings. It's really cool. <laughs> a new spin. And yeah, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> <laughs> if we could comp- compete with um, who was that? <laughs> we'd, we'd be very excited. Um, yeah. No, they're okay, great. They're, so, you know, there's a set of three, and they cover three very different topics. Um, and one is on things that go. One is on animals, and the other is just on play. Okay, so and, for kids? And, uh, it's been my experience that different different ones ap- appeal to different kids, um, but they have been very successful. I use them with a lot of the kids that I work with, um, autistic and not autistic, and I would say eighty percent of them have shown an improvement in in their speech and language. Things that they've definitely taken off the video. Okay, so you're going to give some away, right? I'm going to give three sets away. I will give the first three people that I hear from three sets. For If you've missed those, I think it's still a great idea for Christmas and for your kids, and you can go to our website. So the website is www.kidwinks.com. You'll find you know, the ordering directions there. Put a new spin on autism in her subject line so she'll know. And number one, number two, number three, get free Christmas presents for the kiddos. Thank you very much, Mary. I hope it's huge. I hope you saw that. Thank you, Annette. I hope so, too. That'd be great. Stories from the road. Sometimes it's the stories where things go wrong, and sometimes it's those stories that make the difference. So I feel very strongly that I want to share this particular story. It was um, a boy that I worked with in Canada. So I meet this boy. He's about 12 years old and just totally adorable. And <laughs> we're playing, and he's got this thing for boxing, so he's got like, this boxing glove, you know, those, uh, not glove, uh, boxing, boxing ball or whatever you call it. Uh, <laughs> not the bag, the, the little one where you go really fast. Anyway, so we're boxing. Clearly, this is not my forte. So, <laughs> so we're boxing, and he's boxing, and I'm boxing. 
he's boxing them. But we're taking turns and we're chatting back and forth and we're playing. He likes this one game on the computer, so we do a couple of rounds of that and go back and box a little more. And I really find this kid particularly delightful and handsome as can be. And at one point he says to me, so um, you like me? And I go, are you kidding? I adore you. Of course I like you. And in that boxer stance, you know, when the boxer wins and he puts his arms up in the air, both arms, and he kind of walks around the the ring, he puts his arms up like that and he starts jumping up and down. He goes, we like each other. We like each other. We like each other. And this moment is so strongly emblazoned in my brain because that was a one-time outreach. Never got to work with his family in a long-term way. And that's unusual for me. So I never did see this child again. But I did find out that shortly thereafter, um, the family just didn't feel that they could keep up the constant need um, and requirement that therapy brings to a home. And, the, you know, the, it's, it's constant. If you were listening to Mary, you know, it's day after day, and she, for four and a half years, she's got all these people in her home, and she's training them, and she's working with her child. I mean, it's on and on and on. And this particular family just couldn't do it. And he started to regress really badly. I ended up putting him on different medicines and into an institution, and it has not got a happy end. You know, I love to be hopeful about things, and I love to to bring to you all of these stories of what's possible. But sometimes I want to exploit the truths that I think will make the biggest difference. I want to pay it forward with um, intention to reach success by whatever means necessary. So in this case, I want you to know that the only thing that happened differently for this child it was different for this child than all the other ones I tell you about, is that people gave up. So if there is a question that needs to be answered on this show today, it's that there are therapies upon therapies out there. And the real trick is just keep going. If your kid hits adolescence and all of a sudden everything is harder, trust me, every parent of every teenager in the universe has understood that. It's exceptionally harder when your child has special needs, but you'll get through it if you just don't give up. Thank you for joining me. That's the end of our This Therapy, That Therapy series. I'm Lynette Louise. You've been listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. And if you weren't here, I'd just be talking to myself. I'm spinning in circles and I'm talking to myself.